some people will just not get it. They will receive it. Verse 4 explains why. It says, Satan, who is the god of this world, we notice the god there, little g, right? Little g, not big g. Little g. It's important. It's important. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So what is it when somebody rejects the word of God? Is it the person or is it the spirit behind the person? This is a, a key insight for us because the only people that you try to minister to or share the word of God with are just, you know, even little Bible verses on their desk, and they will flat out reject you, okay? Some will become angry at you and will want to distance themselves from you, and some will even try to cut you off. And, and if we're not careful, we can become angry at the person. See, I'm angry with this person. They cut me off. They don't want to hear it. They'll give me the time of day. And, and this scripture reminds us that when we do that, we're pointing our frustrations at the wrong target, right? They are not the target. Satan is the target. He's the one who keeps them, keeps their minds blind, right? So point your frustrations at the right target. Paul goes on to say they are able to see the glorious light of the good news. Now, this is important. This glorious light of the good news is important because as Paul builds here in the coming verses, he's going to talk about this light. What is the light? The glorious truth of this good news. Right? The glorious light of the good news. The truth of the message of Jesus. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. Who that Paul called the great light. Who is the exact likeness Verse 5, Paul says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 6, for God, it is God who said, let there be light in the darkness. He's speaking about creation. When God said, let there be light, what happened? It was light. He's saying that God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine. What's the light again? The message of the gospel of Jesus. He's made this light shine where? In our hearts. That's the insight. So we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. He's saying this good news, this light that shines now in the insight, enables us to know God and to have relationships.
verse 13, but we continue to preach. We continue to let this light shine. Because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. Again, back to the confidence and the trust. We have confidence and we have boldness in God because he's making the new way of life clear to us. So now we believe it, so we speak it in our life. We speak it in our words. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. Paul ends this section to say, all of this is for your benefit. I'm encouraging you. I'm motivating you. I'm comforting you. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Man, this is such a powerful, powerful portion of Scripture. Paul revealing the reality that a life in Christ where, where you're surrendered to Him, where this fragrance now follows you in existence, produces this new way of living. And though there's challenges, and though there's struggles, and though you feel perplexed, and though you feel crushed, and though you feel beat down, and though you feel hunted out, chased out of places, man, you could endure because this light that comes within you is not for the power of your own, but of God's making. People have a fascination with hidden treasure. I remember as a, as a kid hearing my parents, my father specifically, telling me that in his hometown in Mexico, really Mexico, there was a, there was a legend that, that the property that my grandparents owned contained hidden treasure. During the Mexican Revolution, you know, people would hide their valuables and they would bury gold and bury uh, treasure because they didn't want people to know about it. And as the years passed by, the hidden treasure stayed hidden. And perhaps even now to this day, there's, there's some hidden treasure there. People have a fascination about finding things that are hidden. A few years ago, in 2012, there was this um, former Vietnam veteran arts dealer named Forrest Fenn. Anyone ever heard of Forrest Fenn? Forrest Fenn did is he lived the life of a successful arts dealer. He was a millionaire. Um, he endured cancer in the year 1988, and it really caused a change in his life. He began to appreciate life more and what he had more. He devoted time to his family. Um, and back then, um, he wrote a book in 2012 called The Thrill of the Chase. And this book just was really you know, some memoirs about his life. But it provoked this 80-year-old man to go out and to bury a treasure. He buried um, a 10 by 10 box that was full of gold coins and priceless jewels. It had a value of about $3 million. And he buried it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And in 2012, I have a picture of Forrest Fenn here. Um, in 2012, he published this book called The Thrill of the Chase. And in this book was this poem that gave the readers clues to the exact location of the treasure. This became a phenomenon. Over 250,000 people began to actively look for this treasure. All he gave them was a simple map giving you a general location and some clues embedded in this poem. And people began to hunt for this treasure. Some people even lost their lives looking for it. And lo and behold, just in 2020, the hidden treasure of Forrest Fenn was found. Eight years after it was hidden, it remained in the same spot eight 
treasure was found in the June of 2003 and the September of 
biggest stuff I said to the cops that gave up for $20 had been sold to the Salvation Army by the family of a 90-year-old widow who thought, we don't want mom laying around on this uncomfortable, busted, broken-down, trash couch. So let's get rid of the couch. Let's get mom a new place to live. Her children of the widow didn't know that her husband for years had been stashing in that couch to protect her for one day she needed it for weeks. The young people did the right thing. They returned the $40,000 to the 90-year-old widow. And they made out with $1,000 in reward. Now, that's not a bad deal, right? You buy a $20 couch, you get $1,000 back. But what was interesting was that someone decided to hide treasure in something by many others was considered trash. I want to say that again. Somebody decided to hide treasure in a vehicle that to many people was just considered trash. And as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, specifically, we go back to verse 7. Let's go back to verse 7. Paul says, we now have this light. Again, what's the light? The message of Jesus Christ in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. But what, what Paul is saying is, we're, we're just trash. But somebody has decided to put treasure into something that most people just consider. Yeah. 
things God has given to you, his most valuable possession, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's placed it inside of me. He's placed it inside of me. And man, isn't this so just countercultural? Because we live in a time and an age where we're obsessed with the containers, aren't we? We are obsessed with the containers. We don't care about the content valuable of the containers. That's why the most searched for people on the internet, the most followed people on social media are these beautiful uh, uh, models and, and celebrity figures. And they have huge followings usually because of the way they look and because the most valuable cars, uh, they look great and, and they, they, they get the appearance of beauty. And man, our culture is obsessed with the container, but we don't really care too much about the content. This is true in culture, and it's sometimes even true in church. We would care more what a church looks like, what a church sounds like, what a church feels like. And man, what's coming out of the four walls and what's running through the blood of that church. Paul is saying, look, it's not about the outside. What's on the outside is weak. What's on the outside is easily broken. What's on the outside is easily corrupted. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. What's on the inside is powerful. What's on the inside is not easily broken. And what's on the inside is incorruptible. Paul clarifies, you are weak, you are corruptible, and you are broken. But the God who dwells in us is not inside. That's the judgment. That's the judgment. The second thing we see from verse 7 is not only does God put the most valuable thing inside of you, but he has Verse 7 teaches us that we are limited in our power, but God is limitless in His power. We are just the container. He is the content. Verse 7 says we have this great power. Our great power is from God, not in ourselves. If we could go back to verse 7 for a second. Um, the, 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 the first words here are super important because Paul says we what? Now have. There's, there's promises of God that are yet to come. And there's promises of God that you have right now. Right? This great light that you have that can shine within your heart. When do you have that? You have that light right now. This is not a promise of God for the hereafter. This is a this is a, a possession that we have right now in this moment in life. This this light and this power that comes from God is available to you when? Right now. Not in the yet to come. In the right now. Now listen, in church, there is a tension between people who overuse the right now kind of faith and the people who don't use the right now kind of faith. There's people who will take the now kind of faith and they'll abuse it and they'll misuse it and they'll misapply it because these are the people who usually run around and say, Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak a Mercedes Benz into my life right now. Thank you, Jesus. Or Jesus, right now, in the name of Jesus, I use my faith and I declare right now, Lord, a million dollars in my bank account. Thank you, Jesus. And I think sometimes we misabuse the right now faith that way because, hey, brother, hey, sister, before you ask for the Mercedes, did you consider getting an oil change on the Toyota that you haven't done? Before you ask for a million dollars in your bank.
people on the other side who believe, you know, everything that God has promised us for the here and now, uh, that we don't deserve, we can't have, and it's only in glory I'll see that, you know, I, I, there's some people who walk around, they're so over-pious, they're so overzealous, and they'll say, God can't bless I, 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 I ain't going to feel no joy that the Lord, only in the sweet by and by, and only when I'm up here with Jesus, will I experience any joy in my life. I was here when I did that. There'll be people who misuse and abuse now faith, the now promises, and there'll be people who completely disregard them and say, it's only when I'm in heaven. Only when I'm with Jesus will I experience anything good in my life. And, and, and Paul is telling us the reality here that this, this, this power that we have, this great life that we have right now, is here with us right now. It's, and Paul declares that we have this right now. I wish as a church, as a people of God, we would discover this, that we now have this light shining. to wait to be with Jesus to experience this great power that comes from him and not in ourselves. We now have this. There are some things for the right now, and there's other things for the yet to come. And in 1 Peter, just a side note really quick in chapter 1, uh, listen to what Peter writes in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. He says, now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, inheritance that is kept other translations there say reserved in heaven. This is a promise of a thing that's not yet ours. You see, this is a place where this promise of God comes when you get to heaven. Hey, did you know that there is something reserved for you in heaven? I don't know about you, but I like reserved things. I like things that have my name on it. So there's no confusion. One, one, one of the side blessings of COVID is that it, it experience all of the comfort when you get to heaven. You will all experience that comfort. 
It's, 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 it's his engagement to you to say, look, do you trust me? Do you believe in me? 
highest was 62% water. Texas is a little bit too, a little bit under 40 liters of water that human bodies get out of. 62% of humans get out of H2O water, about 40 liters. 16% of you are made up of these different proteins. Some of them are from components like salt, boron. Some of you are made up of different minerals that are found in different types of substances. So you have 6%. You have 1% carbs, contrary to what we get in your diet. You have 60% fat. Now that is more in line with what we think about our diet, right? Now what's interesting, guys, is you took all those elements and you were to package them separately. All of us are probably worth less than two dollars a bottle. There are a few cases of water and a couple packages of fats, elements of the body, maybe a bag of salt. You can buy all of us for under three dollars a bottle. I could buy Elon Musk for less than twenty dollars a bottle. Now his bank account might be a lot bigger than mine. But I have a treasury bond.
Thank you. 